The hoi hoi. In today's episode, we're going to do something a little different. Recently, I was asked to be on the Video Game Composer podcast by Tyson Kazair. Tyson kindly asked me on his show to talk about how to prepare for video game developer conferences like GDC, which is coming up soon, or any others like PAX, Gamescom, or anything like that. And considering conferences are coming back in full swing very, very soon, many of them coming back in person, I wanted to share and repost this episode that we did together here. So with Tyson's very generous permission, here is our episode together off of the Video Game Composer podcast on how to prepare for GDC and other game developer conferences. And please be sure to check out the Video Game Composer podcast. I'll be putting links in the show notes. Hey, what's up, composers? Uh, I'm real excited about today. We have uh, a great interview ahead of us. Today we are talking with Akash the Car. Say hello, Akash. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. We're really excited to hear what you have to talk about. Today we're going to talk a lot about networking and about events, and especially with GDC coming up later this month. So I'm going to GDC for the first time in person this year. I'm really excited. And I was, I've been thinking about networking a lot, and kind of what gave me the idea to to contact you and talk with you as I was listening to your interview with Ryan Ike. Oh, yeah. And um, so after listening to that interview, I emailed, I sent Ryan an email and I met him mm -hmm. and talked with him and, and he talked about you a lot. And I'm like, I should call up Akash. I've been following <laughs> for a long time and it would just, it would be awesome to finally meet him and talk with him. Um, but I, I bring up Ryan because in, in that interview on your podcast, um, he talked about his early networking experiences, and they almost were exactly like mine. I went to these early meetups, and I was just, I was just like, it was like a meat market for me. I was just like, mm -hmm. who's going to be my next, who's going to be the next person to hire me? Yeah. And, um, and it just didn't go well, of course. <laughs> um, and so I learned, oh, I need to not go to these things just expecting that people are going to want to hire me, but building genuine relationships. And more recently, I've been doing that. And by more recently, I mean, the past couple of years, I've been doing that and trying to be more genuine and build relationships. And I'm talking with people and I'm asking them a lot of questions. So we end up talking a lot about the other person and hearing about the projects that they're working on. But I still feel like something is missing. Like, even though I'm not coming into it thinking, I'm going to get something out of this as far as a gig, I would like to come out of it feeling like I built more of a connection. I feel like I moved forward a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to ask you, Akash, is if you were sitting down with someone who's earlier in their career, maybe they haven't done any games yet, or someone like me who's done a dozen or so games, but you're trying to move to the next level where you're doing bigger indie games or double A games or triple A games, or if you were to start back toward the beginning of your career, what's the plan that you would make with that person or with yourself to have a really successful GDC? What would you do to, do to prepare and what would you do while you're there? What would that look yes. like? Yes. So when it comes to networking, one thing I kind of want to harp on is that 
your goal isn't necessarily to win every single client you come across. This is a common sort of thought of, and you you hit on this when you went to your first networking events and I was the same. It's like, okay, who needs music? Who needs sound? I'm going to get them. Mm -hmm. But that's not your job. Your job isn't to get every single client because there's 7 billion people on the planet. There's infinite work. So your job is to find the right work for you. So I just want to hit on that. You don't need to win every client. Even if you lose out on some projects, that's part of the process. But Going into that, this whole process of networking, or I prefer to just call it making friends or even acquaintances or anything like that, is all about trust. The only emotion that causes somebody to hire somebody else is trust. A demo reel is just there to garner trust enough to get the interview. The interview is just there to garner trust enough to get you the job. That is the crux of literally every decision a human makes in this sphere is trust. If they don't trust you, even if you're the best sound designer, musician, whatever on the planet, you're not going to get the job. So the point of all of this is to garner as much trust as possible with the people that you talk to. Now, that trust can yield things like references. It could mean that someone you meet goes like, oh, you, you know what? I don't have any work for you, but you should talk to this person. Let me introduce you. It could mean, hey, come on board to my game. It could mean, oh, I really like you, but I want to hear your demo reel so I can build that trust up to make sure you're the right fit. It could mean many things, but that is the core of literally everything we do. So that is the first thing to think about going into any of these situations, a whole career even, is that if you can garner trust from people, you're set for life. That is the core of all of this. So when that trust is there, you'll see some things start to happen in your career where it's like, oh, you don't need a demo reel if they trust you enough. It just goes out the window because they trust you. That's the end of the story. Why would they want to go through a middle step? You won't need a resume if they trust you enough. They'll call you for the job instead of posting it online because they trust you to do it. Your job in this sort of sphere is to build that trust. Now, there are many, 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 many ways to do it. And when you're first starting out, you have no avenues of building that. You are completely new. You might not even have a reel. You probably don't have a website. You're going to a conference for the very first time. You have basically no projects or if, they, if you have any, they're just game jams or student games or something like that. You basically have absolutely nothing. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how literally 100% of people in this field start. No one is born with video games under their belt. So to kind of go into that, when you're showing up at a conference, your job is like your first conference or your first kind of early ones, your job isn't to be like, all right, I'm going to walk out with 50 games. It's to say, how can I make sure that I have a good time? That is paramount. Otherwise, you won't keep going. And how do I make sure that the people I meet can trust me and how can I make sure that we have good enough conversations where that trust can be garnered. Now, there's no manipulation in this because it's a really hard emotion to fake. Trust is. It's really, really hard. You have to be pretty darn Slytherin to make sure that someone <laughs> trusts you fakely. That's really, really difficult to do. But one thing that I would talk about to people is, okay, if you're brand new, you have literally nothing. The first thing you want to do coming up to these events with if you have no business cards, literally nothing, which you don't really need, is to talk about the other person. You hinted about this earlier on. You want to talk about the other person as much as possible. Learn first. Learn first about everyone's projects, what their needs are, what their actual needs are, because no one actually needs music or sound period. No one actually needs it. But you want to learn what the actual needs are. Do they need polish before they pitch to an investor? Do they need polish before they show off at an independent games festival? Do they need 
someone to help them so that they don't have to think about music or sound anymore because they know a game needs music or sound and they just don't want to think about it anymore. As you talk to people more and more about their projects and what they need, that is the key, you'll find out what the true needs are. If someone comes to you and says, I need music, I need sound effects, don't believe them. They're lying. Nobody actually needs it. If you go to a doctor and say, hey, my leg's broken, the doctor's going to look at that leg to make sure you're telling the truth or to make sure that that diagnosis is correct. That is our thinking, too. We don't want to take their diagnosis at face value because they can't self-diagnose. We're the experts. We're, we're sound people. We're music people. We're the experts. So to take their self-diagnosis, if they say, I need music or I need sound, instantly puts you in a non-expert position. And over time, well, even if you're just graduating, even if you're just starting, you are an expert in music or sound because even one month more of practice, one month more of training in music or sound makes you an expert more so than a developer who has way more months of programming experience. They're an expert compared to you in programming, for example. So that is another thing to think about is you want to find the real needs and you want to start showing off or using or thinking about your expertise in a way where you start to realize what other people's needs are. Now, I've been going on for a while, so stop me if I've been okay, going too I've long. Got a I, I have a question yeah. about that, actually. So when you first started talking about you want to talk to other people and ask them questions and ask them about their projects. Mm. I was going to ask, do you have questions that, or things to talk about with them that are most effective in building rapport and connecting with them in a genuine way? But then you started talking about trust and you started talking about, well, I think you were already talking about trust, but you started talking about like what their needs are. And I thought, are there things you need to talk about before they will trust you enough to share what their needs are because I imagine them being like oh yeah I just met him and he said he's in game audio and I get messaged by these people on Instagram like 30 times a week and I don't really want to tell him what my needs are because <laughs> he probably has alter like are does that make sense are there things we need yeah. to do before we can get people to tell us what their needs are in that in that's those really initial conversations that's an awesome question. And you don't really need to do much because you hit on something really important that game audio people are vultures. They will DM everybody and try and find work nonstop. And they do a really, really bad job of it. No one does a good job of this. I get so many reels. I get so many in, like I'm like, I literally have entire articles on how to message somebody and none of you are doing it. Uh, but I, one thing to think about is just ask a question that no one else asks. And that's a really freaking low bar because the question everyone asks is, you looking for a composer? That's it. That's the question everybody asks. You just need to ask a question that literally isn't that. And you are instantly put in the top 0.0000001% of audio people. I'm not joking. That's like not a, it's a, such an easy bar to clear, but you think like, what? That's so easy. Uh, can anyone do this? No. No, 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 no. I don't see many people. I can count on one hand the amount of people I see doing this regularly who are just like, oh, let me ask a question that isn't the standard question of do you need do you need a composer? Please hire me. So an easy one to find out what their needs are is like, oh, cool. You're working on XYZ game. Tell me about like what's well, OK, let me phrase it this way. What surprised you most about this process? Like what surprised you most about working on this project? Nobody's asked that question. I guarantee every time I ask like a developer a question or meet at a networking event, they're like, no one's ever asked that before. I'm like, I just, just yeah, it's, it's a really low bar <laughs> to, to ask these questions. But one thing I do and I recommend people do, really, I, I mean this and no one's going to do it, but write out a list of easy to answer but thought provoking questions before you go to a conference and memorize them and ask them to every single person that you meet. What surprised you most about this process? What are your hopes, dreams and fears for this game? 
if if you if you are sitting around in three years and this game did well, what made you so happy about that game doing so well? Ask them questions about the success or their challenges or their fears or anything like that about the project, and they'll open up right away. I've never seen anyone be like, how dare you ask about my needs? <laughs> because as soon as someone asks about that, they're like, here, no one's ever asked this. Please, God, here you go. Oh, my God. It's an instant opener. Now, not everybody is as receptive to questions in general, and not everyone is as chatty. So you'll absolutely meet some kind of like doorknobs who just do not talk and kind of look off into the distance. That's fine. That's a part of every networking event or conference or anything like that. That's normal. But you do want to ask questions and write them down before you go. Just like, oh, that's an interesting question that I'd like to know about for this process. And if you're new, think about what you'd like to learn about the entire game development process, not just game audio specifically. So if you can learn like, oh, programmers deal with this. Huh. Interesting. Let me ask about that. Or like, oh, designers like kind of have to deal with this. Wow. Oh, narrative. They have to deal with rewrites all the time. Oh, my God. So let me ask this narrative like, oh, my God, how are you dealing with all those rewrites? You start to gain a set of heuristics of the challenges of other people, which no audio person knows about because all we do is think about ourselves. Audio is so sequestered in the game industry that they only know about audio. They know nothing about programming or design or narrative or anything like that. So the more you can ask these questions, the more set of more of a framework you can build. And as soon as you start to do that, you start to be able to generate better and better questions over time. I love that. That's awesome. So in my mind, where I'm at is step one is check my motives and make sure that I'm going into the conference with the genuine desire to meet people, to learn more, and to connect with people. Mm -hmm. The second thing, which... I love and is one of my big takeaways so far. And if I got nothing else out of this, I think is going to be a game changer for me at GDC is planning my questions and asking better, more potent questions um, that get people to open up and be like, oh, no one's ever asked me that. Mm -hmm. So so step one, have be genuine. Step two, start preparing for GDC by planning out thought provoking, really great questions that get people to open up. Mm -hmm. And one thing I'd also recommend, and this will sound very serial killery, but it works, is plan out your answers to common questions. What mm. do you do? Plan out the answer to that. Make mm -hmm. it better than just sound. Because that's what 99% people answer like, and it's terrible. You yeah. are actively killing the conversation. Or if they say like, oh, where are you from? Canada. That's how this is how 99.999% of people answer their questions, like the most common questions. What are you playing? Destiny. Like, nobody knows how to answer these questions. It's funny. You'd think with practice and reps, we'd get better, but we actually get worse over time. You ask a kid what they're playing. Oh, my God. You, you're never going to hear the end of it. They have such a good answer. They're going to talk about all these things and all these things that happened, all the fun they had. You ask an adult what they're playing, they'll be like, Red Dead. End of story. Like, like they just killed the conversation. So you want to add a little bit of extra detail. For example, if someone says, where are you from? I would just say, oh, I'm from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. In fact, it's such a small town that we can't, we have a law in the town where you can't build any building taller than the church downtown. And the church is super small. So you add a little bit of extra sauce, a little bit of extra detail. Plan that out. That's memorized. That's a memorized answer I just gave you. And that is something that will lead to the question, like, conversation where they might be like, oh, I live, I come from a small town too. Here's my XYZ experience. You just created a conversation that couldn't have happened if you answered the way everyone else answered. Yeah, I like that a lot. In fact, that's a question. So I, the last in-person meetup I went to, and the first one that I've been to in a long, long time 
was just in December of last year. And every time I had two long, great conversations with two different developers and I talked to them for a long, long time and maybe three fourths of the way through our conversation, they asked, so what do you do? And I said, I'm a video game composer. Oh. And then it was silent. <laughs> so then I yep. just asked them another question to keep the conversation mm -hmm. going and that was it. That mm -hmm. was like my one spotlight. And so I've been yeah. thinking about that a lot, like, oh, what's a good response? And I watched your video. Anyway, I've, I wanted to run this by you because I just thought yeah. of it today, like a couple Please. hours ago. So I'm listening to The Charisma Myth, which is a book so good. on charisma. And yeah, so it's good. awesome. I'm really liking it. And she talked about when you get a question, you want to bring it back around to the person that you're talking with and keep the focus on them. So they said, answer with a fact, then give a little anecdote, and then ask them a question. And I've read that part a couple weeks ago, but I just thought of it today with answering the composer question. What do you do? I'm mm -hmm. a composer. So I wanted to run this by you and see what you Please. think of my answer. I haven't practiced it yet. I haven't written it down. I just thought <laughs> no worries. of it today. But it's, what do you do? And then I say, I'm a composer. It's been my dream to do this since I was a little kid. So that's like my anecdote thing. And then I'd ask something like, do you have a favorite video game soundtrack? That's, that's my solid. idea for my, <laughs> what do you think yeah, of that? No, that? How is that? No, that's super solid. That's super solid. You can add a little more anecdote too. So like, he, here's a good example because uh, a, a technique of storytelling is bringing the other person into your life and you're, you're going to see what happens. It's a really cool brain trick. So here's, here's a way to tweak an anecdote. I'm going to say a sentence and you're going to think of something in, immediately and I'm going to know exactly what you're going to think. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say, when I was 16 years old, you just thought of yourself at 16. Just now, you just thought of yourself at 16. I said when I was 16, but what you did was think of yourself at 16. Mm. So what did I just do? I made you think of yourself, which is a good thing. You're starting to think of yourself. This is cool. So what you can do for your anecdote says like, when I was 16 years old, I played this game and that's what made me want to be a video game po composer. The X, mm. Y, and Z of that game really inspired me. Now they're thinking of where they are at 16 years old. It could be any age, but an age is a really good trigger to make some put someone in a place and makes them start to think about their life as well. You'll notice if you go to any TED talk, they a lot of TED talks start like that. When I was 16 years old, when I was graduating college, when it was 2013, whatever it may be, it instantly puts you in your own head in the place that they just mentioned and it puts them with you. It bonds them to you very quickly. So I'd recommend adding a little bit of that spice on there. Oh, man. Yeah. Case in point, when you were explaining all that, I thought, oh, yeah, when I was 16, I was really excited about this game. And that's when I was getting really serious about being a composer is a career. And like, so you're explaining that I'm listening to you, but at the same time, I'm like thinking through, oh, I know what I could say. Mm -hmm. And when I was 16 and I'm there you go. thinking about that. There you go. We already have a conversation. It's done. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is what I do. I, I hap I'm, a, I'm a social and business person who happens to do audio, not the other way around. <laughs> Sweet. I love it. This is super helpful. So I'm going in with correct motives. I'm planning mm -hmm. out questions that I can ask mm -hmm. people, and I'm also planning out responses. And I'm practice, and I'm planning them out, and I'm also practicing them. Like yes. you were able to just say these things and rattle them off. Or so I'm really, I'm short. I'm like in this <laughs> two percentile as far as height. I'm five four, and um, and my name is Tyson. 
And people Love would it. forget, people call me Tyler all the time. And so when I was young, I developed this little memorized thing. I never thought about it. I just did it. But when you were explaining how you had this memorized response, I was like, oh, that's what I did to help people remember my name. Mm -hmm. I say, I'm Tyson. It's really easy to remember because I'm so large and athletic like the boxer. <laughs> that's perfect. And, people, that's and then perfect. people remember my name because I'm easy. short and scrawny and I, you know, I look like a kid and I'm nothing like... <laughs> And I'm super white, and so I look nothing like Mike Tyson. And so it like it sticks out in people's head, and then they remember, oh, yeah, that's Tyson. Love that. Love that. That's super useful. Love that. Okay, so we've got, we're being genuine. We're practicing questions. We're practicing answers. What are some, some other good things to do coming into a big event like GDC? So one mindset to have is when most people shake each other's hands when they're at a conference or anything like that, the someone like us is always thinking, oh, how can I get this job? Like you're shaking the hand mm -hmm. with this like thing in the back of your head. Your, your mindset should shift from how can you help me to how can I help you? That shift alone can be huge. And maybe you can't help them. That's totally fine. But even so much as recommending a book, even so much as saying like, oh, are you going to this talk later? It looks really cool. Even so much as be, right, being able to recommend a restaurant in the area that isn't going to be packed by GDC people because they don't know it exists. Little things like that can be a really, really big help. So what I do before a big conference like GDC, a big one, a really easy one is food research. I research all the restaurants. I know all the ones that people aren't going to go to. And I know all the ones that people are going to go to that get really busy during conference time. You just need to look for like two blocks and further away. No one's going to go there. Nobody's going to go there. It's not going to be packed. So you can just find these restaurants and you can just kind of put them into kind of maps like, OK, here's Thai food. Here's Indian food. Here's burritos. Here's something quick. Here's something slow. And I just do that. So when people are like, oh, man, I'm hungry. I'm like, oh, you should try X, Y, Z. It's actually just down the street that way. You can put it into Google Maps, but it's like a five minute walk. No one's going to be there. You are God at a conference like GDC with That's so many awesome. people. So if you can think of how to help other people, even if it's simple, like food or a book recommendation or a talk recommendation or anything like that, or watching someone's bag while they go to the bathroom or whatever, anything like that helps. It doesn't have to be career related. But that changes a lot of the way you see the conference too. Because what just happened is, let's say it's food, you did all this food research. Now you know a surrounding area that nobody else does. Nobody does this research. I've never met anyone who does. I'm still the only one. So when that comes up, you are able to help. You're actually able to truly help as opposed to just being like, give me job. Makes a big difference. And then you'll start to think of other ways. You'll start to have a conversation and start to realize, oh, this person is like me and should read the charisma myth. Let me recommend it to them. Or this person is interested in audio. I know about FMOD and WISE. Here are the courses I personally went through to learn FMOD and WISE that aren't the standard ones that everyone else knows about. Little things like that will come up and they're hugely helpful to getting people to trust you. Mm, bringing it back around. I like that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay. So got genuine. We're being genuine. We're preparing mm -hmm. questions. We're preparing answers and we're researching um, and we're thinking of other ways that we can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other general uh, wisdom or nuggets on preparing for, for a big conference like GDC? Yeah, uh, one thing that I'd recommend you do before you go is this isn't always doable, especially if you're brand new. But if you have some contacts who are going, email them. Just be like, hey, I'll be at GDC. Be great to see you. Now, here's a little trick with email. And this, this applies to all email, not just conference prep. 
reverse the ask. And here's what I mean. Here's how most people write emails for business reasons or conferences or anything like that. They'll say, let's say their name is Jerb Jerb, because of course it is. Yeah. Let's say they'll say like, hey, Jerb Jerb, it was so good seeing you uh, last year at GDC. And I'll be going to this one. Uh, hope we can catch up. Would love to talk about your new game project. That's how most people kind of write an email, right? Like, hope mm -hmm. you're well. Here's the ask. Here's the thing I'm going to ask. Flip it on its head. So let's try this. Hey, Jerb Jerb. I'm going to be going to GDC and I'd love to meet up with you at 12.30 p.m. at the uh, at Yerba Buena if that's available for you. It's been a long time since we were at GDC. It was so good seeing you last year. Hope to catch up with you soon. Which one's more authentic? I guess the second one is. Yeah. Yeah. When you ask first and then add like the pleasantries afterwards, it makes a huge difference. Huh. That's cool. Huge difference. Everyone's like, oh, just like, because everyone, everyone who's busy is just like, just what do you want? I don't care if you hope I'm well. That doesn't change anything. Just ask. Just ask for the thing. Do you want to meet up? Also, here's nice things. Change, switch it, switch it back. If you have no context, this doesn't, you know, make any difference. But if you have a few that you'd like to meet up with at GDC, reverse the ask. It makes it so much easier to get meetings with people that maybe you know or maybe you don't know. It could be even someone you don't know, maybe someone you tangentially know, like, hey, it's, um, I'd love to talk to you about XYZ at X time. Let me know if you're free. I've been following you for a long time and really respect what you've done on XYZ projects. Thanks so much. Huge difference in the genuineness of that message. So reversing that alone will get you a lot more replies to your emails than what everybody else is doing. Cool. I like that. I like that a lot. And I just want to put out there that if you've been listening to this podcast for uh, any amount, for a longer amount of time, you should have contacts by now. If you're taking my advice to call people and do Zoom meetings and meet people when you're starting out. Mm -hmm. This industry is so open. Yeah. Like, oh, people say yes really often. Yeah. Like I'm talking right now, I'm talking to Akash the car. We've never met before. <laughs> and he's, never met. he's like, yeah, I'll talk with you. Yeah, yep. I, one of that's one of my favorite things about the game industry. To go on a tangent, is like I've I met Adam Gubman. I've met great guy. I mean, I've met so many like people that I didn't think I would ever like that. You know, were just like legendary to me. I met you, and and it's just <laughs> like when every single one of these people that I contact, they're so down to earth. They're so nice and they're so friendly. And um, one of my early episodes, I just I talk about this idea um, of doing just like calling people up and chatting with them and asking their advice so you can know how to start in your career and move forward and that sort of thing. Makes a big difference. Um, I wanted to ask you if you had any, when, as I've been researching about GDC and talking to like other CAs that are going, mm -hmm. there's a lot, it seems like there's a lot of resources out there and people giving advice for people that want to work for a company. And there's probably yeah. listeners to this podcast that want to work for a company. Maybe they want to be an in-house audio person. But there's also a big focus in my life and on in this podcast on freelancing. And so I know that people that aren't freelancing, they're looking at companies beforehand and they're trying to set up meetings with companies. And I, I wanted to ask if you had any freelancer-specific advice I guess beyond what we've talked about already, if you have any freelancer specific advice 
for GDC. Yeah, tons, tons, tons. Yeah, because I'm a, like you, freelance focused. I prefer to be freelance over working at a company. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how you mentioned it well, like a lot of people who are going to GDC who are going to work for a company kind of approach it differently and that's fine. You, you know, maybe you have a resume, you go to like the hiring booths in the business area of GDC and you can submit your resume and stuff there. But for audio, it really does work differently. Even if you do want to work at a company, our hiring process is kind of weird both for freelance and for working at a company. So when you show up to one of these conferences, your your job isn't to like, oh, I'm going to meet with the audio lead of Riot and then they'll hire me. That could happen, maybe, but the odds of that are pretty low. <laughs> you can meet with the audio lead of Riot, the odds of them saying yes or join, bringing you along with a group or something like that, or at least saying hi to you is pretty high because everyone's really nice. Mateo, he's awesome. He's a super nice guy. But the, the sorts of methods to get hired as a freelancer or as AAA in-house are a little different in that it's not so much about approaching them well and in one moment they're going to hire you right away. So you do want to think about trust being a long-term process. Trust is built up over time. It's really rare to build up trust instantly. The only way I fa- the only ways I found to be able to do that very quickly are one, have a really dope piece of music or piece of sound that people really like i mean like top 0.1% piece of music or sound that people instantly love and recognize two do a talk which is why i speak so much that is an instant trust getter or three make content like youtube videos instagram posts podcasts this is a great example even if no one listens to it or watches it it inst- instantly generates trust because it puts you in an expert position but something to think about when you're walking into these conferences as a freelancer is, okay, I'm, he- I'm here for the long term. I'm not here to get work at this conference. I never tell myself I'm going to walk out with X number of projects. I always say, oh, okay, in three years, then I'll get a project. And here, ironically, then I'll walk out with six in just one conference. Mm. If you start to tell yourself, I have to get a project here, you're never going to. You're never going to. But if you start to think, okay, I'm just going to meet people. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to talk to the most interesting people. Then you get all the work. The thing that a lot of audio people do that I see that can be not, it's not always a mistake, but can be is they only talk to other audio people. This can be fine because they can refer you to stuff at their company. If they work at a big company, maybe they can like fast track your resume or something like that. But generally speaking, the people that hire us aren't other audio people, especially as freelancers, because we're working on indie teams or triple or like, you know, triple I teams or double A, as they call it, things Mm -hmm. like that. Rarely is that done by another audio person because rarely do they have an audio person. They just want to hire you as the audio person, as the composer, as the sound designer, because they don't have one. So what I prefer to do is follow your interests in what's most interesting to you. You don't have to go to every audio talk. You don't have to go to every talk at all. I would recommend if you just want to speak to the speakers, just hang around after their talk and just come say hi. You don't even have to go to the talk. Just walk into the room afterwards. But follow the things that interest you most versus the things you think you quote unquote should be doing. And you'll meet a lot more interesting people that could potentially be people that you want that you could work with. That's worked out so well for me over the time over the years. Okay, cool. I like that. Do you have any last words of advice, last imparting wisdom to people as they go to networking things, even if it's just virtual networking mm-hmm. um, that you can leave with us today? Yeah, a few things. Uh, so one is follow up. You're going to meet a lot of people. And for the people that you enjoyed talking to, email, direct message, Twitter DM, whatever, contact them within 24 hours of meeting them because this makes it so that they remember your name. 
and it makes it so that you have an open door basically to talking to them. You can just say, hey, it was so great to meet you. It was great talking about XYZ. Thanks so much. That's it. That's the end of the that's the end of the follow up. But even if it's a multi-day conference, like let's say it's Monday of GDC and you meet some people on Tuesday, you're following up 24 hours because it means that you remember them. And if they check their email, which they will, everyone's checking their email at GDC. They're going to see that. And if they see you again, they're like, oh, hey, Tyson, you should go come meet my friend. You, ca- you left kind of a warm feeling in them. And that's a really nice thing to do. So always follow up within 24 hours, only with the conversations that you liked. It doesn't have to be with literally everybody that you talk to. So follow up, whatever, me- whatever means that you want. I like following up over Instagram, whatever you want, doesn't matter. So always do that. And if you are heading to a conference like GDC with the kind of goal to get work, which is a lot of people in our field, just assume that you're not going to get any. doesn't mean you won't. It doesn't mean you won't, but assume you won't because that's a really poisonous mindset to bring into a conference of like, okay, I have to get clients. Otherwise I'm dead. Like everyone's going to smell that just a million miles away. Someone who's chill and easy to talk to and just generally interested in other people, they're going to get the job a thousand times over. But the person who's like, hey, um, music, which is, as you know, a lot of people starting in any right, field. Right. It's just that's not good energy <laughs> to, to come across. One thing that I remember uh, when I was a CA, a conference associate way back in the day for GDC, my first GDCs as a volunteer, was no one knew I was a sound person until about the third or fourth day. And that's huge. That's huge. I'm not saying you have to necessarily hide what you do, but I was just so interested in other people that no one knew what the hell I did. And by the end of it, they're like, oh my God, I need sound. Holy crap, please come on board. I thought you were a producer because you were talking about every discipline. Oh my God, please. So it doesn't mean hide what you do, but it means that you're so interested in other people. You're not busy schlepping your stuff around saying, I'm a composer, please hire me. That instantly puts you in the top 1% of composers because very few composers don't (laughs) go ham on saying, please hire me. So speaking of the email email follow-up that you talked about, I know that it's, it's not essential, or I think that it's probably not essential, but I did want to ask you about business cards. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how people can email you or you can email them if you get some sort of business cards. And I know that you can do like the digital phone business yeah. card thing. So do you have any um, best practices or tips on how to use business cards at a conference and digital totally. versus paper? Or maybe it doesn't matter. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, for a while, I didn't have any at all. Um, they won't do a whole lot for most people, but I do like getting them from other people because I do digitize them. Most everyone else will have them. That means that you don't have to have them. Uh, but everyone throws them away at the end of the night anyway. So, But what I do is I recommend an app called CamCard, which is really, really good. C-A-M-C-A-R-D, one word, super good. But it just digitizes business cards and scans them and reads them and you know, you can say like, okay, here's their email, here's their name, here's their phone number. And then what I do is I just put them into a database. And these are only the people that I had a good conversation with. There's tons of business cards where I'm like, who the hell is this? I just throw it away instantly. I don't try to follow up with everybody. Uh, but what I do then is I see that database and I put it as like GDC 2022. That's my database. Then at GDC 2023, of all the people that I liked, I'll email them. Like, hey, are you going to be at GDC 2023? It'll be great to see you. So I have this kind of running tally of people that I like that I'd want to keep in touch with because trust is built over time. So one thing I'd recommend for the you know audio people who are starting out, kind of newer, anything like that, if you don't have business cards or website or real or resume or anything like that, 
that's fine. That's how I started. You don't need any of that stuff to start. Later on, sure, it's a little nice, but eh, even then, it's not that big of a deal. The only thing I would say is be Googleable, if possible, in some way. If someone Googles your name and your Instagram pops up or your and your Twitter comes up, or if they Google, you know, your name game audio or your name composer. Make sure you pop up pretty quickly because that's how they'll probably contact you. That's how they'll probably find you via Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it may be. So long as that's easily Googleable, you'll be totally fine. That's more than enough. I I am certain if I got rid of my website tomorrow for the next 10 years, my business wouldn't change at all. It would not change. It would not go down at all. If I got rid of every single presence of mine on the internet, then maybe it would. But if I just had a Black pay, black background page with white font that said, here's my email, and that was my entire website and no other social media, my business wouldn't change. It wouldn't change. The rest, the, the fluff is just nice to have, but it's not essential for, for a lot of people. And are you saying that because you've built up your career to a certain point? Because I, I would say like, but isn't your YouTube essential? Right. But maybe it was more right. essential in the beginning to get you to where you are. And now that you're here, you wouldn't need all that is... Is that? That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, it definitely is less useful now than it ever was, but it's it's the sort of thing where having it is nice, but don't think it's the thing that will get you every job imaginable. Just that trust you build in person is what's going to get you those first gigs, is what's going to get you those next gigs. Probably the highest paying gigs will be the ones that you come through either a referral through someone you met in person or someone you met in person. Those are the highest referral or the highest paying things you'll probably get. So what I recommend to people is, yes, have all that stuff eventually, but don't stress about it and think it's the thing that's going to get you everything. I see everyone stressing over their website, but they're not researching the restaurants in the area. They're screwed. They're completely screwed. Because when someone, when you say, go to my website, here's my business card, how many percentage of people do you think are going to be like, ah, I'm back in my hotel room after a 12-hour day at GDC, time to go to all of these websites on these business cards? Zero percent. <laughs> it's, it's never going to happen. And it's not a give. It's an ask, not a give. Exactly. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. So yeah, it doesn't happen. It really doesn't happen. So one thing I would like to point out about content, podcasts, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, is most people won't watch it, but literally just having it makes a huge difference. An example is that I just got a huge, uh, very prolific gig. I can't say what it is, but I'm really excited for it. And someone said, oh, I, I was like, how did you find me? I've never met this person before. And they're like, oh, oh, I, uh, I saw your podcast. I'm like, oh, cool. What episodes have you listened to? He's like, oh, no, I haven't listened to it yet. He just <laughs> saw I had one and that was it. He's like, hired. No demo reel, no no website checking, just a direct email saying like, oh, yeah, I want you. Was it? It didn't even ask for an audio test. Just here, you're hired. Just like wow. that. That's Because awesome. it builds trust. That's what it does. It builds trust. So he didn't know who the hell I was. We didn't know each other at all. And no one referred him, nothing. There's no intersection there. It was just a building of trust. And he didn't even engage with the thing that I made. Wow, that's pretty <laughs> rad. Um, so you, I keep thinking of questions, but this is legit my last question. So I'm going to ask sure. you this question. So if you want to answer it, you can. And then after that, just share with us. If people don't, I'm sure people already know, most of us already know, but share with us ways that people can follow you, things sure. that you want people to be aware of. So I was thinking about this today before our interview. I was thinking there's going to events in person and meeting people one at a time, but there's also this idea of being like on YouTube and being an influencer and having right. a lot of people that you've never met know who you are. And I think that would build a, a lot of trust too. And I wondered mm -hmm. which one would build more trust 
faster? Like, is it better to just mm-hmm. go like one person at a time in person or is the online thing, is that, is that a stronger tool? I guess is what I'm, which tool is stronger in your That's opinion? a really good question. Yeah. So I liken a lot of business to dating. I can't think of a difference between freelancing and dating other than the casing. It's literally the only <laughs> difference I can think of. So which dates are better online or in person? In person. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so I, I cannot think of a single difference within dating or freelancing. Here's an example. If you go up to someone and say, please go out with me, please go out with me, please go out with me, what's going to happen? They're going to run away. They're probably mm-hmm. going to call the cops. <laughs> what, do you, what happens if you say, please hire me, please hire me, please hire me, which is what 99% of audio people do? They're, they're gonna not going to hire you. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good you are. You could be the best in the world and they're never going to hire you. So you want to think about it like that, too. You want to think about it like dating, because I swear to God, I, I, I read dating books now for, as for, for freelancing advice. I've never seen a parallel or never seen anything that doesn't parallel other than the kissing. So you do want to think about that as well. It's like, OK, I'm garnering trust. What works better in person every time? Because what works better for a date in person every time? So you kind of want to think about it that way, too. And it will always be better because one person can refer you to thousands and you have no idea. Or one person can refer you to one other person who's going to pay you hundreds of thousands a year. Whereas you can have 10 million views on YouTube. I know people with 700,000 subscribers who are broke. doesn't matter because their audience isn't the people who are going to pay them. So that in-person trust building is going to be a huge difference over time. So whenever you can do it, always skew towards that. Very good. Awesome. Where can people follow you? What do you want people to know about? I know that from your email list, which is awesome. It's my favorite email list oh, that I'm on. It's you. the only one I actually read uh, regularly. <laughs> and so you. you've announced courses coming up. What do you want people mm-hmm. to know? What, what can you tell us about? How yeah, can they follow thank you? you. Yeah. So if you want to get in touch, you can just go to my website, akashthakar.com, A-K-A-S-H-T-H-A-K-K-A-R.com. Or you can find me if you just look up Akash the Car on Google. I'm <laughs> the only one. So I'll come right up in all my social media. My Instagram's Akash the Car Audio. My Twitter is Akash the Car. Whatever you want. It's all it's all there. Um, and if you're on my newsletter, which you can join through my website, I am doing four courses this year. One is on business negotiation, the stuff that we talked about today, how to find jobs, how to make sure they pay, how to negotiate, how to make sure you say yes and no without burning bridges, finding the right clients, etc. One will be on the craft of sound design, how to create sound super quickly and super efficiently with a higher quality and getting that practice in. The third will be on music synthesis. So like, or sound synthesis really so how to do sound design with synthesizers how to make those cool anime effects and stuff like that and the last will be about f mod and c sharp so those are the four that are happening this year well thank you so much this has been so valuable for me and i'm sure it'll be valuable for the listeners as well especially those of us who actually implement and do the things that you're talking about so really appreciate it appreciate you coming on and akash you're speaking at gdc this year right I am. I, I'm only going online, though, but I am speaking at GDC okay. twice this year. I'm on a roundtable and an audio talk. Cool. Awesome. So we'll see you at GDC this year as well. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.